welcome all of you at all of our churches today. Um, and if you're just joining us today, we're finishing up a five-part series entitled The Grass is Always Greener. And really, it's a sermon series that's been really about our tendency that we have to look to the left and to the right to try to figure out how we're doing by comparing ourselves to other groups of people or to some people in our lives. In fact, many of us, we just kind of live with this idea that as soon as I get, and you fill in the blank, whatever that is, as soon as I get, then I'll have what I really want. And we often think that, you know, we would just be content, we'd be happy, we'd be satisfied if we could just get there, wherever there is. So there's just this real tendency in all of us to spend a whole lot more time looking over the fence, looking at somebody else's grass and wishing we had what somebody else has in their life. So during this series, what we've really been doing is we've been answering this question. We introduced this question to you in the first week, and that is this. Who or what am I using as my standard to tell me I'm okay? Who or what am I using as my standard to tell me that I'm okay? Because as we said in week two of this series, every one of us, we have this whisper inside of us that says, I wonder if I'm measuring up. I wonder if I'm okay. Now, what we've learned in this series of conversations is the Apostle Paul, he showed us that that whisper, it exists because our relationship with our creator was broken by sin. And so what sin does is it creates shame because we are less than perfect and we know that. And so that's created this insecurity in all of us. So all of us live with a higher level of insecurity than what most of us even aware. And so this whisper, which creates insecurity in all of us, it's not really an achievement problem. The Apostle Paul says, no, your insecurity is the result of a relationship problem. And the only solution is to stop looking to the left and to the right. And instead, as we've learned, he says, you need to get your view from the one who created you, therefore he chose you, and then he loves you, and then he adopted you. Literally, you just stop looking to the left and the right, and you look up, and you listen to your heavenly father, and you hear him say, hey, you're fine because you're mine. You don't need to prove anything. I accept you, and I love you just like you are. Now, let me just say, if you missed all of that, especially in week one and week two, I would really encourage you to go back and especially watch the full version of week two. You can find that on our app or our website. If you go to YouTube, you're just gonna get a little 10 minute version. And the title of the talk is called Measuring Up. Very important one foundation for probably even the rest of your life. Now, today, as we wrap up this conversation or this series of five conversations, I wanna focus primarily on what do we do with all that we've talked about in the previous four weeks. Specifically, how do we experience contentment while at the same time living with ambition? Because many of you have asked that. You said, well, how do, how do we experience this contentment that the Apostle Paul talked about while we have ambition? And is there anything wrong with ambition? Like while we're pursuing our dreams and while we're trying to accomplish things. And, and the reality is this, not all ambition is bad. There is healthy God-given ambition. There is Christ-centered ambition. But here's the reality that most of us really need to lean into as we talk about this ambition thing in most of our hearts and our lives, and that is this. Most ambition is driven by the desire for acceptance. 
Literally, if you go to the core of who you are and what your heart's desire, most of our ambition, it is driven by the desire for acceptance. Like when you get to the heart of why you do the things that you do, it's usually because you're trying to earn the acceptance or approval of a person or a group of people. And here's what we end up doing. We start believing that being accepted or that if we will achieve or we accomplish certain things, that we will get acceptance. Now, here's the thing. Ambition driven by acceptance is really dangerous. It's really dangerous to the outcome of your life because ambition driven by acceptance, it will cause you to compromise your integrity. It will cause you to violate your values. It'll cause you to sacrifice your relationships with the people that you love the most. In fact, the truth is, I think all of us, if we just stopped and thought about it, we could all tell stories of people who reached this crossroad in their life and they they were achieving and they wanted to achieve more and to achieve more, it was gonna require some dishonesty and so they were dishonest. Or requiring more, it was gonna require them to mistreat somebody and so they mistreated them. Or achieving their goal or getting to a new level of position or acquiring more, it required them to uh, neglect their family maybe and so guess what they did? They neglected their family. See, ambition that is driven by the desire for acceptance, it is dangerous because it'll cause you to compromise your integrity, your values. It'll cause you to take your focus off of Christ and start living a shadow mission. And you know what a shadow mission is? Your shadow mission is your God-given mission that is hijacked by your ego and your wounds. And that's why we have such a desire for acceptance. And when we get, it, when we get hijacked by our ego and our wounds, we, we start taking our God-given mission and we just start living it off, maybe just like one degree, and we come up with all reasons and all justifications for why we're doing it. But really, our God-given mission has been hijacked by our shadow mission. So the big question that we wanna answer today is this. So what I do with ambition? I mean, like, does it mean that I live the rest of my life without looking over the fence, without trying to achieve more and gain more and have a greater position, maybe greater income, maybe greater assets, that kind of thing? Does it mean I put all my dreams on the shelf? And I'll go ahead and answer that question, absolutely not. But what it does mean is that ambition cannot be driven by acceptance. It must be driven by something else, something much deeper that's in the core of our being. Now, Jesus, he actually told a parable about this in Matthew chapter 25. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to follow along. Now, if you don't know what a parable is, a parable is nothing more than a made-up story that's really designed to make one simple point. And Jesus, if you study the life and ministry of Jesus, he tells parables all the time. And in this instant that we're about to read, he's told several parables, one after the other. And all the parables up to this one, they all kind of start with the same kind of theme. He'll say something like this, and the kingdom of heaven is like, and the kingdom of heaven is like, I think it's one of the really cool things about one of the songs that we sang this morning as we're introducing this whole Christmas thing where in, in, in December and, you know, get our minds wrapped around that. It's like when Jesus came, he introduced the kingdom of heaven to us. And so in this parable, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he tells a made up story, what we call a parable to explain what the kingdom of heaven is like. 
Now, the thing you have to understand is whenever Jesus talked about what the kingdom of heaven is like, he's not necessarily talking about some kind of future kingdom. He's talking about what it's like to live a God-honoring life, live by God's values, know how things work and how things operate when we're honoring God and when we're honoring others. And he's saying that the kingdom is like this, and this is how things work whenever in God's kingdom, whenever people are finding their value in their heavenly father and not in comparison to other people. That's what he's going to be talking about in this story, this parable that he's making up here as he's making this point. So start with me, Matthew chapter 5, or 25, beginning in verse 14. Here's what he says. Again, it will be like, this is what will be like. It will, well, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Now, I want you to notice something. He did not give his wealth to them. What did he do? He entrusted his wealth to them which means that he expects them to manage it wisely. He expects them to do with it what he would do if he were there, right? Go to verse 15. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Now, th this is really interesting. Everybody doesn't get the same amount. The, the owner, he decided to distribute the wealth based upon what really was the skill or the ability level of each one of the guys. So he gives five bags of gold to one guy that he thought was the most skilled, and then he gives two bags to another servant that he thought was skilled to handle that, and then to the one that he considered the least skilled, he just gives one bag of gold. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, that's not fair. I'm just going to tell you, get over it. No, I'm just teasing. No, here's the deal. You're, you're thinking, that's not fair. I mean, this one guy, he got one bag of gold. The other got five bags of gold, you know, and the, and, and the other, you know, the one got one and one got two and the other got five. I bet the two, one that got two and one, you know, got their feelings hurt. See, we're missing something. You're forgetting something. This is the owner's money. He can do with that money whatever he wants. He, he didn't even have to entrust them with any of his gold. He didn't, but he does. Now, whenever you read a parable like this, there are two questions that you really need to be asking yourself. Because this is always true in any parable that Jesus tells, any story that Jesus makes up and tells. And that is this. Who represents God in the story? And then who represents you in the story? Well, I think it's pretty obvious that God is the man who has the money and is going on a journey, right? That's pretty obvious to us. The question to us is, which of the three servants are you? Now, some of you, you think you are the five bag of gold guy. Let me just go ahead and pop your bubble. On behalf of everybody else, let me tell you, you ain't that awesome, okay? Now, some of you, you think you're like the one bag of gold guy. Like, you feel like, oh, that's just me. I, I've got no talents. I got no abilities. I got no gifting. Again, let me just say something. That's not you. You're just listening to your insecurity. So, so for the sake of today's argument or conversation, let's say this that way. Hey, all of our campuses, let's just all assume that we are the two bag of gold person, right? Can we do that? Let's just all just, that way we all are kind of have a proper perspective of ourselves. So keep that in mind as we read. Here's what happens next. Then he went on his journey referring to the man who had entrusted these servants with his wealth. 
the man who had received five bags of gold, he went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags of gold. Literally, he did not waste in time. Jesus says that he immediately goes out. He took the master's money. He invested it. He doubled his master's money. Great return on the investment, wouldn't you say? Well, Jesus goes on. So also the one with two bags of gold, he gained two more. Literally, he made the same choice. He got the same result. He put his master's money to work and he doubled it immediately. So here's the thing. When you really stop and look at it this way, he gained two more. He doubled it. It's not so bad to be the guy who just received two bags of gold, right? Because you've done something, you were able to double. It's amazing. Now, we get to the third servant. And I'm sure none of you have done this with what God has given you. But here's what Jesus says happened to the guy who received one bag of gold. Verse 18. But the man who received one bag, he went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Literally, here's basically what he did. He looked over the fence at the other two guys and he thought, well, what can I do with just one bag of gold? I, I can't hardly do anything with this. I mean, he gave that guy over there two bags of gold, and he gave that guy over there five bags of gold. Sure, they can do something with what they have, but I only have one bag of gold, so what can I do with that? I'm just going to hold on to it. I'm just going to bury it. Now, there's just a really big problem with that thinking. It wasn't that guy's money to begin with. He had been entrusted with it. So whose money was it? Well, yeah, everybody in Blunstown and Chipley got it. I don't think the people in Mariana got it yet. But it was the master's money. See, because of that, it's like this guy was responsible to do with the money what the master said he should do with the money. And he was responsible to do the money for the return on the investment to his master. In fact, look at verse 19. Here's how it goes. After a long time, the master of those servants, he returned and settled accounts with them. Now, you can kind of think about this after a long time. You can kind of think about this in terms at the end of your life. So the master is returning. He asks, he says, okay, basically, what have you done with the money that I entrusted you with? Notice what happens in verse 20. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And this is so important, this attitude and this perspective of this servant who's been entrusted with five bags of gold. He says, you entrusted with me, or you entrusted me with, and I gain. You entrusted me, and I gain. That was kind of his mindset. Now, he's literally saying, I knew it was my responsibility to do with this money whatever you would do with it if, it were, if you were here. Because it wasn't mine to begin with. It was yours. So here, here you go. I doubled your investment and there's gain for what you entrusted to me. And I want you to notice what happens. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Literally, you handled the little I gave you well. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to reward you with more responsibility, more things to be over. And you know, when you stop and think about it, that's a pretty swell deal. I manage a few things well, and I get a far greater reward than what I deserve. And the master goes, oh yeah, and by the way, you get to enjoy with me the happiness that comes from managing all of the resources. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Now notice what happens next. The man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. 
His master replied to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So here's what I don't want you to miss. It doesn't matter that one guy had five bags of gold and the other guy had two bags of gold. Both got the same reward and the same congratulations from their master. Both of them were both ambitious. Both of them were driven to succeed. Both of them were driven to have progress and improve in their life. And they get the same reward. That's important for all of us when it comes to looking across the fence. Because we're going to see in just a moment, it doesn't matter what you have. It matters with what you do with what you have. Because notice this next part, because the soundtrack kind of changes here. And everybody in the room kind of gets tense because the master is about to address a servant with only one bag of gold. And the other people in the room, they knew what he's done with it. Notice what happens. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your goal in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Do you know what the problem with this statement is? The servant failed to realize that the money wasn't meant to be hoarded. It had been entrusted to him by his master to use, to do something with, to do what his master would have done if his master had money or had the money in his hands. And this guy goes out and he chooses to bury it in the ground. And then not only that, he went and he blames the master for his actions. He says, listen, if you weren't so hard, if you didn't expect so much, I wouldn't have done this, but I was afraid. So I went out and hid your goal in the ground. I didn't want you angry at me if I lost your money. So, you know, I was just afraid of what you do if I lost your money. I, and I also, I was upset because this is how many of us live our lives. I was upset because you didn't give me more. I mean, what did you think I could accomplish with just one bag of gold? I mean, you gave this guy two bags of gold and this other guy five bags of gold. I only had one bag of gold and that's not fair. So I didn't even use what you gave me at all. I want you to notice the master's reply. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Now, I don't want you to miss this. The master is not mad because the servant tried to invest the money and lost it. The master is not mad because the servant took a risk and it just didn't work out. No, he's mad because the servant didn't do anything that he had been entrusted with. He's mad because the servant had no ambition to accomplish anything or achieve anything with his life. And he says, man, the least that you could have done is went and put it in the bank and got like a half a percent interest. I mean, that'd be better than nothing, right? But instead, you just went, took what I entrusted you and you buried it. You hid it. You wasted it. You refuse to use it. And then he makes this judgment on this situation. And I want you to really think about this. Because by now, most of us see ourselves in this story. And we understand, in fact, some of your translations may use the word talent instead of bag of gold. Five talents to one, two talents to another, one talent to another. And you're beginning to realize 
This is about what am I going to do with the talents, the abilities, the gifts that God has given me. I want you to notice what God says, what we feel and what we experience when we compare ourselves to other people and we don't use our gifts and our abilities and talents to glorify God and honor others. Notice what he says. It's very interesting what he says in this next verse. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. And you go, wait a minute. That's really not fair. That guy's already got 10. And the master's like, well, I can do what I want to do with that money. Like, why wouldn't I give the guy who I've entrusted talents and abilities and gifts to? And I know that he's going to use it responsibly. Why wouldn't I give him more? Why wouldn't I give it to someone who I know is going to be responsible with what I entrust them? Notice the next part that he says, for whoever has will be given more. Literally, he's saying this, for whoever uses what I have entrusted them with. Whoever has and uses it will be trusted more and they will have an abundance. That's literally what that first sentence is saying. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And he's going, here's how that's gonna work out. Look at the next verse. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, for those of you that grew up in church world, you're thinking, what? He threw him in hell? That's not what that means. I mean, remember, this is a made-up story. This rich guy doesn't have the ability or the power to throw anybody in hell. Now, what the master is saying is, listen, you're not going to be part of my inner circle anymore. I'm not going to keep entrusting things to you. You've lost your chance, and you've lost your ability to have more things entrusted to you. Now, this weeping and this gnashing of teeth, it doesn't mean that you're going to feel pain because of this. What it means is this. It's like you're going to feel frustration. It's that feeling of, I can't believe I didn't take advantage of that opportunity. Or I can't believe I blew by that opportunity. See, that's what he's talking about. It's that, have you ever just kind of gritted your teeth and gone, oh. Yeah, some of you did it because you kind of mocked me when I did that right then. You know, it's like, oh. That's what he's talking about. He's saying there's going to be this moment in time when you're just going to, oh, I can't believe. I cannot believe I let my shadow mission keep me from living out what God has called me to live out and do with what he's given me. He's saying, you know, too many times what we do is we chase other things that we think are going to bring us acceptance and approval from people. God says, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for you to use the gifting, the ability that I've given you. Literally, this rich guy is saying this guy, he says, listen, I'm through dealing with you. And at some point in your future, you're going to regret missing this opportunity. And then here's what happens. If you're looking at your Bibles, Jesus goes right into the next parable. And many of you are thinking like, wait, Jesus didn't explain it. Nope, he just moves on. And he kind of does that with parables. It's kind of like, okay, here's the parable. Now I want you to go think about it. Figure it out for yourself. And so some of you are going to go, oh, we got to figure it out for ourselves. Well, I'm not going to put you through that. So what's the point of this parable? Here's the point. I kind of gave it to you, but let's nail it down. You're not responsible for what you have, but what you do with it. See, you're not responsible with what you've given but you're responsible with what you do with what you have been given that matters to your heavenly father because your heavenly father has entrusted you with gifts, talents, abilities. And he's saying, will you use this 
to make this world more like the kingdom of God, the way God desires it to be. Now, I'm just gonna tell you, this is so hard for us to do because we can be so much like the guy that only received one bag of gold and we fall in the trap of looking over the fence to the left and looking over the fence to the right and then we start comparing ourselves to what everybody else has that we don't have and if we're not careful, what will happen is we will not make the most of what we've been given because somebody else, they have more. They have more talents, they have more abilities, they have more giftings and here's what ends up happening. What we do is then we, we wanna try to compete with those people and we want to keep up with those people and what we do is we operate outside of the calling that God has in our life and we say well if I could have this position or if I could have this role or if I could have this level of income or if I could have this kind of influence then I could be somebody and Jesus goes no 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 I gave each of you some gifts and I want you to accomplish and I want you to achieve but don't use it as a way to try to measure up. Don't use it as a way to try to gain acceptance. He says, I want you to use your gifts, your abilities, your talents. I want to use them because you know that you're accepted, because you know that you are loved by your heavenly father. He says, I want you to take these gifts and I want you to take these ambitions. And he says, I want them to be driven for my purpose for your life. And God's purpose is that we love God and we love others with all our heart, soul, and mind. Please hear this next thing that I'm gonna say. You don't set out to accomplish anything in order to solve your insecurity. That's what Jesus is saying to us. If you try to have a certain level of position, a certain role, certain responsibility, certain kind of income, some, some, something that you hold on to that you think is gonna give certain people a certain view about you. He's like, if you're doing all of that because you're insecure, it's like, man, you're gonna be terribly disappointed. Now he says, no, you use your accomplishments to make a difference for my kingdom. So here's my question for you today, and that is this. What are you gonna do with what God has entrusted to you? What are you gonna do with all that God has given you? Yeah, there's some people that have more talents, that have more gifts, that have more resources than you do. And there are some people out there that also have less. That's why I said, I think let's, we just put ourselves in the category of the guy with two bags. It doesn't matter. What are you gonna do with the two bags of gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given you? Because here's the thing, if you're not careful, you'll never use your possessions, the thing that God has given you to make a difference because you're just gonna kind of subconsciously, you're gonna look across the fence and you're gonna say, that person has more than I have, they should do that. But that's not how it works. But that's not what a person who realizes that God has entrusted them with more. That's not how it works for a person who realizes God chose me. That's why he created me. See, you were created by God. And in his creation of you, he's chose you. He loves you. And then he offered adoption to you and says, I want you to be part of my forever family. Just go make sure that you make the most of the two bags of gifts, talents, and gifts that I've given you. So the question that you have to answer is like, what are you gonna do with what God has entrusted to you? Because many of you, 
You've kind of hid your gifts, talents, and abilities. Some of you, you've even in church world, if you've been in church while, you go, well, I, I did my time. You know, I did my time. No, one day the master's going to come and say, where did you get that from? I never said that. Oh, you need to do this for a year or two or five years or 10 years? No, no, no. See, see some of you, you have other excuses. So, some of you, you grew up in healthier families and some of you grew up in unhealthier families. The master goes, it, it doesn't matter. You pick, you didn't pick your family. You're, you're not responsible for what your family was like, but you're responsible with what you do with the family experiences that you had. Think about that. How are you going to use that family experience that you had for the glory of our Lord and our Savior? See, too many times we do life and, and we look around and we go, I, I just don't think that I've got what it takes. Well, so you only certain got, got a certain amount of education. The question is, well, what are you going to do with what you got? Besides, I mean, you're, you're not responsible for what you don't have. And, and who you are, like your family of origin, your education, all of those things, that's what makes you uniquely you. And that's what makes you able to fulfill God's purpose for your life in a way that nobody else on this planet possibly could. Listen, here's what I've discovered in about 56 years of living. The biggest obstacle to people fulfilling God's purpose for their life is comparing themselves to other people. Don't miss that. The biggest obstacle that people have to fulfilling God's purpose in their life is comparing themselves to other people. See, instead of figuring out, hey, God has a call on my life and God has gifted me and he's given me abilities and talents and he's given me opportunities. Like most of the time, the reason we don't fulfill God's purpose for our life is we're spending way too much of our time trying to be somebody that we're not trying to fulfill roles that we were never designed for, to accomplish things that we were never designed to accomplish because we're just trying to keep up with or outdo somebody else. We just want to be king of the hill and everybody point to us and go, oh my goodness, do you see that person? And somehow we think that's going to take care of all of our insecurity. But you know what that's going to do? It's going to create more insecurity. See, you were not created to be somebody else. And when you stand before God one day, he will not say, hey, why were you not more like your friend? Why were you not more like your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister? You fill in the blank, whoever that person that you're trying to be like or you're trying to keep up with or you're trying to get the approval from, he's gonna say, why weren't you more like you? I created you to be you. And when you are not you, then there is a hole in history. There is a gap in God's creative genius. That's how big a deal it is that you do not hide your talents. In fact, there's this quote from Rick Warren. I love it. I think it says it best. He says, success is bearing as much fruit as possible given your gifts, opportunity, and potential. See, success is not getting ahead of or measuring up to somebody else that's on your left or your right. No, success is, doing, is not doing what somebody else has done. No, success is bearing as much fruit as possible, given your gifts, opportunity, and potential. See, you can't measure success by comparing yourself to other people. There's no win in that. Success is maximizing what God has entrusted you. It's taking those gifts, it's taking those talents, it's taking those abilities, and running your own race with them. 
So here's what I wanna encourage you to do if you wanna make this happen, and that is this. Celebrate what God has given others and invest what God has given you. Don't miss this. This is the best way that you can break this habit of comparison. You celebrate what God has given others and invest what God has given you. Listen, the best way to beat comparison, to stop looking to the left and to the right is to celebrate what God has given others. You look at that person who has more than you and you go, man, that's awesome that they have that. And then you need to tell them personally if that's gotta be verbally. And don't say, oh, I'm struggling to tell you this. No, you just go there in a spirit of celebration and you celebrate out loud with that person like, oh, I'm so glad that you got that because I'm telling you, celebrating another person, it helps to cut the jealousy and the envy right out of your heart. And just so you know, that's where our comparison comes from. So celebrate, celebrate, and you'll stop comparing. In other words, you just say, man, I'm so glad that person's not wealthy. You know, it's amazing. You can tell the people are envious of other people and their wealth and what they have because they go, oh, you know how they got their money, don't you? <laughs> like everybody who's got wealth somehow another like violated the laws of God and everybody else, right? And, and you know, all, and as you get older, you just realize, oh, you're just jealous. You, you just got envy all in your heart. Instead of saying, man, I am so glad that God has blessed you with that wealth, or I'm so glad that God has blessed you with that measure of health, or I am so glad that, man, that, that that person is that pretty, that beautiful, that talented, all of those things. Celebrate it. And then focus on investing in what God has given you and make a difference with your life. See, most of us, we're so distracted because we went and hit our talents, our gifts and our abilities in the ground. And we're always talking about all these other people who don't have their act together, but we don't have our act together. Because when the master returns from his journey, which is our Lord and our savior, Jesus Christ, he's gonna say, what, what did you do with I, what I gave you? What did you do with it? Because here's what you want to discover as you get on the right track with this. The more you focus on running your race, the less you're gonna care about how somebody else is running their race. See, the more that you experience God using what he's given you to invest to make a difference in this world, the, the less you're gonna worry about what somebody else's elements are that they have to invest. Listen, some of you have done life and you have never felt successful in your life because you haven't measured up to somebody that was on your left or your right or you don't have the life that this person has. Listen, their life is not your life. Your life is not theirs. So you celebrate what God has given others and then you invest what God has given you. And you take your view of you from the one who created you. When he created you, he chose you. You are perfectly created the way God wanted you to be to fulfill what God wanted to accomplish in this world. And not only did he create you and choose you, he then said, and this is what the Christmas season is all about. He stepped to this earth and said, listen, I love you. And then he went to the cross and he died on the cross to restore our relationship so that he could adopt us into his family. He said, I've chosen you, I love you, and I've adopted you. And I'm just gonna tell you something, folks. As you settle into God's acceptance, then here's what's gonna happen. You'll, be quit, you'll quit being driven by your shadow mission that's always looking for that next thing, that next thing, where's my place, where's my position, where's my power, where's my prestige? 
And what will happen is you're going to move into your person and then you're going to feel free to make a difference in a way that only you can make a difference in this world. That's what I hope for each one of you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible opportunity to be the person that you've made us to be. God, because our relationship with you was broken because of sin, man, so many of us, we, our ambition is driven by the need to overcome our insecurity. And we think acceptance and approval from somebody's gonna do that. And I just pray that today, you'll help us to quit being driven by the shadow mission, the lie that has been hijacked by our ego and our wounds saying, oh, you need this position, you need this place, you need this level of prominence, you need this kind of prestige, you need this, you need that, you need those things, this kind of power. And today, help us to settle into being the person that you created us to be so that we can feel free to make the uniquely different difference that only we can make in this world. So I just pray right now that you will help us to take our eyes off of everything around us, especially in this season, as we're more focused on Christ You'll become the center. And as you become the center of our life and our focus, there'll just be a level of security that'll come out of that. And then we'll find and feel that acceptance and approval. And we'll live to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, enter in to the joy of your master's happiness. God, we, we just desire that. And I thank you that your Holy Spirit is gonna help us to lean into that this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everyone, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, you don't wanna miss next week as we start our Christmas series. We'll see you then.